Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want more info on the things that we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. So uh, the rumors going around that you just didn't want to preach the whole chapter of <laughs> chapter 16 of Mark. It was too many verses, so I just said, you know what, eight, verse 8, I'm done. Uh, we'll just leave the rest uh, off. That's great. Because it's, uh, well, yeah, hadn't even, hadn't even started the NFL season yet. So right. what is there to get home to? Correct. No, that rumor was started by me, uh, and it's, yeah, it it's also right now. It's also not true. So let's let's dig into instead of di- digging into chapter sixteen one through eight, which you you preached and did well, let's talk about why we're not doing verse nine through twelve twenty. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. Um, this is this is truly the notes from the cutting room floor. I would have loved to have dug into this, but it just wouldn't have fit in the sermon and. Um, but I think it's it's really interesting. I think the the principle that we got to start with here is that when we read scripture, we want to read what was originally written. And we call those autographs. Right. And we have like we being the world, the community people uh do not have any of the actual autographs in the sense that, you know, this is the actual ink and paper or papyri that Mark used. Right. We just have copies and copies and copies. And there's a whole separate, you know, thing we can talk about. How do we know these copies are right? But from that comes, we get this interesting thing at the end of Mark where the book ends so abruptly. Mm-hmm. They went out, they fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment and seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. End of story. Mm-hmm. Like, as I said, you know, on Sunday, like Jesus doesn't even show up to his own party here. Right. Like there's no post-resurrection Jesus sure. appearance in Mark. And that just, that seems really abrupt. It seems like, man, is that actually how Mark ended this, his gospel? Just like, right. and they were afraid the end. It almost sounds like a big downer and where all the other gospels are like, and then Jesus comes back and right. the disciples realize this and their, their whole lives are changed. And, you know, uh, Luke even writes a sequel about, about <laughs> it all. Um, so in that, there's actually four different ways that potentially the book of Mark ends. One is it ends after verse eight. Right. Uh, the second is there's what they call the short ending, which is like one more summary verse that is like Jesus then came back and told right. them to go bring the gospel. It's one verse. That's option two. Option three is what you may see in your Bible. It's probably printed there in brackets, verses nine through 20. And then option four is both the short ending and nine through 20, all everything combined. But Chris, we don't read verses nine through 20 or the short ending that you don't see. Why don't we read those? Why don't we preach them? Yeah. There's a few really important reasons why we don't (laughs) do this. And I, I think when we go to the commentaries and we read some of the scholars on this, I'll just, I'll say it this way. If you could read nine through 20 in Greek, it does not read at all like the rest of the book of Mark. So if you look at Mark 1, 1, all the way through 16, 8, 
Mark reads a certain way. It's got a certain Greek feel to it. There's a certain signature from the author that you feel in every single page of the text. 9 through 20 doesn't read like that at all. So seemingly what happened is somewhere along the line, someone either felt that leaving it on the word afraid is not the best place to leave it. So they added in pieces from other gospels. And the, the long ending, as they call it, has a lot of similarities. Verse 11 is very similar to Luke 24. Uh, so is Luke, verse 12 is very similar to Luke 24, 13 through 35, the road to Emmaus discussion. The reproach for the unbelief in verse 14 is very similar to John 20, 19 and 26. The Great Commission looks a lot like uh, you know Matthew's Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19. I could go through the whole list. I won't do that. But for right now, every single one of the verses that we have from 9 to 20 feel like an abridged or an, a truncated verse that's found elsewhere in the New Testament where they sort of just put it together. So there's a number of theories as to why that happened. One would be it's possible that they actually lost the last part of the book of Mark. Maybe it was burned in a fire or something else happened where it it's not there anymore. And eventually down the road, a couple hundred years later, somebody was like, this isn't a good ending. We should probably add something in. Right. Good heart, not, not, not evil, just saying... Well, this isn't the way that it should have ended. We should take the stuff from the other gospels and make sure that we can end the gospel better. And maybe that person wasn't even thinking like, I'm adding this to the Bible. They're just like, oh, let's just write a summary that we're going to stick in the footnote. And then somebody else, when they were copying it, yep. didn't realize that and just added it in. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So continue. And then, well, that's a very valid possibility. I, I mean, the Bible was written in such a, an incredibly tense time in history. It's not surprising that you'd lose a part of the, and you, you might, someone might say then, well, that means God wasn't protecting it. <laughs> Let's just chill with all of those thoughts for a second. That doesn't necessarily mean what it is at all. Um, so that's one possibility is that, that the end of it was lost. Someone rewrote the, these things and threw it in there. But what's weird is it doesn't read like that. It reads newer Greek, not older Greek. So it doesn't even look like the same Greek. And then on top of that, you've also got these stories that don't seem to line up with what the rest of the Bible talks about. So the the picking up serpents, the de- drinking deadly poison. I mean, we did discuss you preaching this whole passage and us releasing <laughs> snakes into the service to see who the real Christians yeah. are. That, we, I mean, that unfortunately <laughs> is a way that some churches do things. Correct. We chose not to do that. So everyone can be grateful for that. But, but to read the passage, they're just grabbing like the who's who. They're grabbing random things that happen in the book of Acts or elsewhere, and they're just throwing them all in saying, this is what every Christian does, which isn't even true because in the whole Bible, we only have reference of a couple of people being bitten in general. And then some of the people that get bit, most of them die. Only a couple of people actually get healed or in Paul's case, just miraculously don't die. Shake it off another fire. Yeah. So there's something else going on. And for them to say, every Christian is going to have this experience doesn't fit. So the end of Mark has this weird feel to it. And then one of my favorite theories is from the the commentary Marcus story. They actually believe that the gospel of Mark was written to be a play and it had people acting out different scenes. And then what would happen is that the narrator at the very end of the play would say they were afraid. And then he would come out and say, or she would come out and say, they were afraid, but you don't have to be. We know the rest of the story. Here's what it is. And it's also very possible that someone a couple hundred years later had lost track of that idea and then said, we need to put a real ending on this. And so they did. Right. Which is, which is an interesting viewpoint. And I think there's, there's, it's very possible because Mark has written this after the church has been going. So everybody knows the end of the story in the sense that yep. like, oh yeah, Jesus did 
rise from the dead. And now look, all these church people are around. So they do this play and they get to that point. And then, you know, you say, why would you stop there? Well, why wouldn't they just go through all of church history at that point? Well, that's just the place that they decided to stop and then say, okay, they ran away and they were afraid. Mm -hmm. You, you know, it's, it's worth telling the story about, well, then the disciples came and then they built the church and they put the church in Jerusalem. And then Paul went out and did all that. But okay, we're going to stop right here. And we're saying, now what are you going to do? Are you going to be like the early church or are you going to be like, you know, rejection or whatever? Um, So, yeah. And I, I, and the point that you're trying to get at here, Chris, is that all these reasons, it doesn't read right. It it maybe was left for another is we don't think this is original. We don't think this is what Mark wrote the gospel to be these verses nine through 20. I would go so far as to say it's not original and I don't think it belongs in the autograph Right. So because it's not in the autograph, anytime that the ESV or the NAV or others, anytime that they all agree and say something like the earliest manuscripts don't have this, we're not going to do it. Yeah. The only exception to that is the interesting one in John where you have the woman being almost stoned for adultery. Right. That one is, is even earlier showing up in the text than this passage. Right. So the manuscripts that we have access to that have the end of John 7, early John 8, that section is added to John much earlier in in what we have as far as manuscripts go than what this one is. When this says the earliest manuscripts do not include, we're talking nothing from the first, second, third century have this at all. Right. We're talking late third, early fourth century, so like 300 AD and on, all of a sudden, you know, Mark 16, 9 through 20 shows up. So that tells us somebody added it somewhere. Right. And not all the schools did. That's the other thing, too, is it's only in some of the early manuscripts, meaning 400 AD, you know, 300 AD. But it's not in all the schools, which means somebody somewhere wanted to make sure that they put this in. And then eventually all the schools started adding it in because they're like, oh, it's a good ending. We should add that in, too. Yeah, which I think is the the second major point of why we don't think it's original. One, the Greek is different. The readings are different. But two, it's not in the earliest and best manuscripts. Like we've used these terms of Ford, Sinaiticus, and Vaticanus. Those are two codexes or, you know, most of the Bible all in one book. And those two don't have that. And those are some of the earliest codexes or complete versions of Scripture. And if those don't have it, it's really hard to think, really hard to come up with a reason why it would be original if it wasn't in one of those two and it's in right. either. And then like you said, yeah, with the families as copies go spread around the world, we notice that a bunch of copies that went to one geographic region are all similar because maybe a mistake was made early on and then that mistake gets reproduced. Sure. And for example, this this particular passage was in the family of verse or in the in the family of um writings that the KJV uses mm-hmm. and gives priority to. That's one of the reasons why, one of the reasons I don't use the KJV very often is they give priority to one specific family and that one specific family has these verses. Mm-hmm. And so this is not bracketed in, I, I don't know about modern KJV, it might be, but um, definitely in the 1611 and maybe some others after that. If only we had a tool right in front of us that would allow us to go look and figure things out. Here's the NKJV. Here's just, if you just look at the King James Version today, yeah, it's not bracketed. It's not set aside. It is, flows right in. 
What's interesting is the NKJV, yeah, it, it's, it's flowed right in there, but it, it actually has connections to Luke and John. So it's almost telling you that they might have pulled the material from somewhere else. It, what do you mean it has connections? To I'm Luke? just looking at the, the document itself, and it says the appearances of Jesus at the top of verse 9, and then it actually has two passages that attach to it, so to speak, mm-hmm. and it shows you how similar they are to those passages, which is kind of what we said a second ago. Now, the KJV doesn't have that at all. Um, it just has the verses. But like we said, they're using a, a couple of different scribal families that we don't necessarily buy into at this point because we have so much more. Yeah. The, and that's not to say that the KJV is bad. For, right. You know, don't, please don't write us letters. What we're saying is it was a great translation at the time with what they had access to. Certainly. Finding the Dead Sea Scrolls has been a game changer for us. And that doesn't even affect the New Testament, by the way. But it, but the game changer of the, of the Dead Sea Scrolls does show us that there are certain things that we suspected about the text that have been confirmed, which, first of all, the text has held up throughout all of history. It's not been changed drastically. And secondarily, it also is... Um, consistent in message and in understanding as to what it is. But then on top of that, there were a couple of verses throughout the Old Testament that we were kind of going, is this really supposed to be here? Is this translated correctly? Is this done correctly? And now we have access to the Dead Sea Scrolls to sort of confirm that and to build that up. And with the Dead Sea Scrolls, we've also found tons of, um, you know, slips and other things in archaeology throughout the, the Turkey and Rome world that have sort of confirmed that the New Testament can be trusted drastically as well. But but as we have found those things, verses 9 through 20 are not in those manuscripts. So right. we're going, okay, that this was clearly added later. We suspected that. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. But we're not going to preach it uh, as gospel truth because we can't stand on that as truth. Right, right. So, you know, going back to the translation, I think all the different translations have pros and cons. Not that we can't trust them or not that we can't trust our Bible. Uh, but this is this is one particular, I think, uh, con for me, or this is one weakness of the KJV, is that they're sticking to this this group, this family of texts, which means that they're including this, when I think most scholars, most readers of the New Testament, and like you're saying with the Dead Sea Scrolls, that was a big find, don't have this, and so I think it shouldn't, shouldn't be in there, and I'd be fine if they started printing Bibles even without it, without the brackets, you know. Put the brackets, but maybe just don't print it at all. There you have it, Zondervan. Pastor Alex has spoken. Do what he's asked you to do.